Good morning, everyone. Today we'll be um, reading two passages from God's Word. The first passage will be coming from Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 to 13. And the second one will be from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. We'll be starting with the Matthew passage, and we're starting from verse 7. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts. We also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The second passage comes from Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over these present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To the end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Am I on? Can you hear me? Yes, good. Um, it's great to see everyone here today. There's a pretty small number here in the second service. Uh, we are very exciting when we have everyone back together on the 18th. Uh, perhaps not exciting for the introverts, so uh, you have three weeks to prepare yourself uh, for those who are a bit more introverted, of which I would say I am as well. So I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also uh, a little bit nervous uh, about, about it all, uh, and it will take some getting used to. Uh, but I think it would be a great way to express the unity we have as a church, uh, to see each other again. Um, for those of you who are joining in um, for the first time, either here or online, um, we are actually going through a sermon series at the moment looking at the values of our church. So um, in our church, as we talked about last week, we do want to preach through books of the Bible, you know, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Uh, but once in a while, we will uh, pause and look at important topics. And what we're looking at, especially in light of the relaunch, uh, is our mission of our church, God's given mission, as well as the important values that our church holds. Uh, not because we necessarily choose or prefer to have these values, but because God's word drives us towards uh, those values. And last week we looked at uh, gospel-centered, expository preaching and teaching, which is about really the Bible, 
Uh, today is about prayer. Next week is about discipleship, and the week after will be about unity that we have in Christ. Um, so this is what we're doing at the moment. Um, Steve is uh, currently sick. Um, there seems to be different viruses going through their family. They've been sick for a little while now, so do pray for Steve uh, if you, if you don't, do know them. But for now, we've got important work to do to think about prayer. So if you um, have the bulletin um, that I'm downloaded and the outline in front of you, you can follow along. Um, there is a lot of material that could be covered in a sermon like prayer. That's the reason why topical sermons are hard. There could probably be five, six sermons uh, or more on this topic. Uh, and I was a bit greedy. I didn't want to leave everything out on the editing room floor. So there's a part of the sermon where I'm just going to throw some verses at you and some points uh, and encourage you to read it up on your own uh, because um, there are a lot more things that could be said uh, and perhaps should be said about prayer. Uh, but we will focus on what is on the outline today. Uh, in terms of the Bible, <clears throat> I decided to put all the passages on screen today. Uh, but it's good to have your Bible with you anyway. Just uh, um, especially after the sermon like this, where I will be throwing in quite a few verses at you, that you do take note of them and read it for yourself to make sure that the way I'm using the Bible, the way that I'm quoting verses is actually what is being said. Okay, so please uh, do read your Bibles during the week and follow up from the, 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 the passages that are raised. Please join me now as I pray, um, as we uh, think about the topic of prayer. Appropriate, isn't it? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that we have the joy and privilege of calling you Father and having the privilege of praying to you, speaking to you. As we pray, as we learn about the privilege of prayer today, and as we uh, see so clearly why you think or why you, you tell us that prayer is essential, um, we pray that you will give us um, not just understanding, uh, but a desire to want to approach you in prayer uh, because we can and because we must. We pray that this will happen, uh, not just for us uh, individually in our day-to-day -day lives, but also as a church, that indeed we would be a prayerful church, uh, because that is the only kind of church that honors you. Uh, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, when you think about prayer, uh, it's a very kind of polarizing kind of topic, isn't it? Uh, on one hand, it's the most natural thing that we can ever do. But it can also be one of the most uh, unnatural things uh, that we can do. Um, everybody prays, right? It's very natural. Um, uh, you know, in times of need, in times of crisis, you throw up a prayer, right? Maybe uh, you're about to drown and there's no one in sight, you might call out. Or maybe you're in Indrapilly on a Saturday afternoon and you can't find a car park and you throw up a prayer, right? You lose your wallet, you lose your mother, or whatever, right? If people just naturally gravitate towards prayer, a calling out right, to, a, to a higher being in time of need. Uh, every culture uh, of every people group in history uh, has some form of prayer. It's the natural thing to do. Yet, prayer is also weirdly unnatural, isn't it? Uh, for prayer is speaking to someone who is kind of invisible, kind of seemingly out there. Especially times of sustained praying, that seems even weirder, right? To, to have a, a long period, a minutes, perhaps even hours, of talking to someone uh, that you can't see or feel or touch. Uh, Prayer is polarizing. It's, it's, it's both really easy to pray, but it's also a struggle to pray, isn't it? And it's really easy to, to just throw up a prayer to God, but it also seems to be such a struggle at times. Prayer is when we feel most connected with God and feel most intimately kind of spiritual, but at times prayer can also feel like God is most distant from us. Right? When we pray, we feel like the more we pray, the less there is someone listening. Our prayers are hitting the ceiling, and that's pretty much it. 
Prayer can seem like the most necessary thing to do, but also the most unnecessary thing to do. Right? That we pray to a God uh, thinking, believing that He is sovereign and good, and it's the source of all that we need, and so we think it's the most necessary thing to pray. But because God is sovereign and in control, then what's the point of praying, right? It's unnecessary. He already knows. He's already in charge. He's already in control. What is the point of praying to a God who has decided and who is in control of all things? Strange, isn't it? Prayer is so polarizing, natural and unnatural, easy and so hard, the most necessary and seemingly the most unnecessary thing to do. So the question is, should something this polarizing and this strange be really a core value of our church and of being Christians? Now, I want to suggest to you, and I want to say very clearly, actually, that the great privilege and promise of prayer, prayer at its best in its experience, right, points us to why it has to be a core value. Right, the fact that it, 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 it calls on the God who is the source of all things, the fact that it's most necessary and easy uh, and natural, points us to why prayer is and has to be a core value. But also that the times where prayer is at its worst, its most difficult, its most struggle, that's when we also are affirmed to see why it has to be a core value. Because anything that is truly good and of God will involve a spiritual battle. Right? Anything that's truly of God and truly spiritual, our sinful nature and the evil one will prevent us from doing what is completely essential and necessary. And so even the struggle of prayer points us to why it is so important, why it is vital. So what is prayer? Right, what is prayer? Let's go with the definitions. Now, prayer in the broader sense of the word has the simplest of meanings. It just means speaking to God. Like I said, every culture and every religion and every people group in history prays in this broadest sense of the word. But for Christians, prayer is more specific than that, right? The Christian definition for prayer is, or should be, I think, is speaking to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son in the Holy Spirit, right? Speaking, uh, prayer is speaking to God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ in the Spirit, now, humanity desires to speak to God. So in a sense, God hears all prayers of all people, right? Because he's all-knowing, uh, he's omniscient, uh, he's all-powerful. But he clearly doesn't hear and respond to the prayers of all people in the same way. He clearly doesn't do that. He tells us in the scriptures, right? Not, because not all call on him as father. Right? Not, call, not all share in an intimate relationship with God, God does not promise to hear everyone's prayer in the same way. Certainly not with fatherly favor and with a promise of intimate love. It is only Christians who get to approach God as beloved children and who get to speak to God as the Holy Father, as our Heavenly Father. And so this is the first big reason why we should value prayer as Christians and as a church. We value prayer because we can. Uh, we value prayer because we can, because we're given the privilege, the invitation, the relationship to be able to pray to God as our Father. Now, Jesus made it clear when he taught his disciples how to pray. Right? Matthew 6, you heard it read before. Jesus taught his disciples, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. Now, some of you might have prayed this Lord's Prayer you know, hundreds or maybe thousands of times. I went to a Catholic primary school. And we prayed this prayer every single day at school. 
Maybe that's your experience, going to a Christian or Catholic school, or maybe going to a church. You pray the Lord's Prayer. Maybe others of us, every time we start our prayers, we would say, Dear Father, or, uh, or Heavenly Father. I know for some people, they even use Father God or Lord Father as like a punctuation mark in their prayers. Have you heard people do that? You know, Heavenly Father, you know, we thank you for this day, Lord Father, you know, for the food we have, Lord Father. And they just say Father, like, you know, as a punctuation mark. It's kind of a little bit strange, but that's what people do sometimes, don't they? Now, we say it so often that perhaps we miss the significance of being able to call on God as Father. We've said it hundreds, thousands, maybe ten thousands of times that we lose the significance of the fact that we can actually God call God so intimately as to call Him Father. Because the reality is that as human beings, we are totally, we should be totally unable and are certainly undeserving of addressing God as our Father. Like what gives us the right to have God as our Father? Now for us in life, there are certainly lots of people that we would love to meet, okay? that, we, that we want to have a relationship with, that we know is practically impossible. Perhaps you're really into business, and you'd love to meet someone like Jeff Bezos, right? CEO, founder of uh, Amazon, and you, you would love to just be able to sit down with him and, and listen to him teach you about his business models and his thinking, and maybe even become a personal friend right, of Jeff Bezos, and maybe he might give you a few million or billions of dollars right, in the process. Right? Or, or maybe uh, you're a sporting fan and Steph Curry is your idol, right? and you would love to hang at his place and shoot hoots with him on his private home court and learn from the greatest shooter of all time and maybe try on one of his championship rings right, that he's won. Or maybe you're one of millions of people smitten by Korea's pop superstar, IU. Right? I know there are a few guys in this church who would love this one. Right? To be able to meet her and hang out with her backstage or on set uh, and just get to know her, right? hang out with her as a friend. Now, I think it would be pretty fair to say that it would be practically impossible for any of us sitting here in this room, listening today, to be able to meet any of these people, Jeff Bezos, Steph Curry, IU, let alone have an ongoing personal relationship. But the gap between them and between us is far too big. Overcoming the obstacles that would prevent us having a relationship with them is practically impossible. Right? Practically impossible. Although, if you think about it, if you tried hard enough, if you threw enough money at it, if you spend years trying to learn Korean, which I heard is really hard to do, maybe, you're right, if you were to rise up the business ranks and go to some seminar, symposium, and Jeff Bezos was speaking, you may be able to get on stage and maybe have a quick hello. Maybe if you hung around, you know, the stadium where the Golden Warriors, um, uh, the, 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 the Warriors play, Golden State Warriors play, you might be able to have a few minutes with Steph Curry. You might even be able to get on court and bounce the ball with him for a while before the security guard grabs you and throws you out, Right? but practically impossible, an insurmountable barrier with these human beings. Now, the barrier, the gap between us and God is even greater, isn't it? Infinitely greater. It is utterly insurmountable on our part. It doesn't matter how much time, how much energy, how much money you throw at the problem, you cannot get yourself into the presence of God given who we are. For the Bible tells us very clearly that we are creatures and He is the Creator. But not only that, we are creatures who have turned our backs on the Creator. 
We have sinned and rejected God, and we have made ourselves unholy to the holy, holy, holy God. And the Bible makes it clear that no speck of unholiness, of dirt, of filth, of moral impurity can ever come into the presence of the holy God. No way can we have a personal relationship with God, let alone be the children of God that can address God as our Father. The fact that we can. The fact that Jesus tells his disciples, when you pray, call out to God, our Father in heaven, that should shock us. That should amaze us. That should wow us and excite us and just create joy in us that we, what? We can call God Father? And of course, the reason why we can call on God as our Father is not because of anything we've done, but because of what the Father has done through the Son. You remember this amazing passage that we looked at last week, Ephesians 1. Let's read it again, right? Blessed be, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. You see, it's through the wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we've been adopted back into God's family as his children. Through Jesus' blood, we are redeemed and we are forgiven, made holy again, so we can come into God's presence. It is Christ who has broken the barrier, who has blazed a path back into a presence and relationship with God, who blesses us with the blessing of being the children of God again. And Ephesians 1 tells us that this can only happen because we have been united with Christ by faith. And this can only happen because Christ unites himself with us by giving us the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Just a very quick note, right, about being sons of God. It's not about being male children, okay? The emphasis of being sons of God is being heirs, right, of being like Jesus, okay? So don't think that it's only males that get to be children of God. Uh, being given sonship is more of a title of being an heir, right, of being like Jesus and having the same identity and the same privileges, okay, just to make it clear. Anyway, so what we've seen so far is that prayer is about speaking to God our Father, it is made possible through Jesus Christ, the Son, and is enabled by having the presence, the indwelling of the Spirit that allows us to call on God Abba, which means like Papa or Daddy, Abba Father. That's why Christian prayer is praying to God or speaking to God as our Father through the Son in the Spirit. Right? The Trinity is at work giving us the privilege of prayer. And it is the most incredible and the most undeserving privilege that we can have. 
It expresses, prayer expresses the most profound relationship that we can or will ever have in our lives to be able to call on God as our Heavenly Father. Now, if you ever did get a chance for some miraculous, uh, uh, by some miraculous means to, to have a sit down uh, and, and share the room uh, with Jeff Bezos or Steph Curry or IU, I'm pretty sure that you'll be dying to speak to them. Right, asking all the questions that you want to have, listening to them and having a conversation. You wouldn't just be milling around in some corner or, or wandering off right, aimlessly without having a chat, be having a long discussion. You wouldn't just ignore them or barely speak to them. You would never spurn that kind of privilege if you got to meet your earthly heroes. We pray because we can, right? If we understand the privilege that we can have in calling God Father, then we will pray because we can. It's the greatest privilege that we can ever have. So the next time, probably at the end of this sermon, when I pray to our Father, the next time you pray to your Father and address Him as your Father in heaven, I want you to pause for a moment and think about just how amazing it is that you can call God your Father. I don't want you just to rattle off like the start of some, you know, chant or to use him as some kind of punctuation mark. I want you to be excited when you can call on God as Father. To, to, I want you to, to give you joy and to, to encourage and motivate you to keep praying because you can pray to God as Father. And next time we address our Father, let us be reminded of this great privilege of prayer so that we will keep praying. Now, not, not, we pray not only because we can, but also because we must. Right? It's both a privilege as well as a necessity. It is commanded of us to pray. You are being disobedient and ungodly when you don't pray. Is that strong? Let me throw some verses at you to show you that prayer must be constant, steadfast, and unceasing. Here we go. Luke, 1, uh, Luke 18, Jesus told his disciples, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And then he told them a parable, right? But the instruction is that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Paul says, right, rejoice in hope, be, uh, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. That's a command, right? Be constant in prayer. Another command, Colossians 4, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And then we go on, Philippians 4, the Lord is at hand, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, which is just asking for stuff, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You ever wonder what the will of God for you? The will of God is that you pray without ceasing. Right? Who ever thought that, that was God's will for us? But it is right there, right? 5 verse 17. Ephesians 6. In all circumstances, in all circumstances, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Could it be any clearer? These verses aren't some obscure verses from, you know, Obadiah right? or, or Zephaniah or 1 Chronicles 16, Right? These are words from Jesus. These are words from the Apostle Paul. When you don't know what to read in your Bible, you just open a Pauline epistle, that's what we do, and you read with such clarity the command, the instruction that we ought to pray. 
Not just once in a while, not just a little bit here and there when we feel like it, but prayer has got to be like eating or drinking, perhaps even like breathing. Those are the things that you do constantly and without ceasing, because if you don't, you die, right? Prayer is supposed to be like that, essential to living, essential to having spiritual life. Is that how you regard prayer? Let me ask you, right? Is this how you think of prayer? Do you really think of it as being this important and essential? I'm not sure that many of us are convinced, at least really convinced. I think some of us would know these verses, and in theory, we would agree that we ought to pray without ceasing, pray constantly and steadfastly. But in practice, because of our conviction and our belief, we do not do so, and we don't really believe enough to have to want to do so. Why is that, right? Why is it that we don't see prayer as important? Why is it got to be so important? Maybe we should ask it from the positive, right? Why is it that we ought to see prayer as being so important that we are commanded to pray constantly, steadfastly, and unceasingly? Why must it be a core value of our church? Why must it be like eating and drinking and breathing in our everyday lives, in our church life? So let's go through a reason, a few reasons, okay? The first reason, which is point B, 4B, is because we are children of God. That's kind of strange, isn't it? That's kind of the point, uh, point three before, right? Prayer is a privilege uh, to call on God as Father. But because we have that privilege, we actually also see it's a necessity. Because the privilege of calling God as Father in our prayer is because we have a relationship that is real with God. Jesus taught us to pray our Father. It is not just a privilege to call Him Father. It is a real relationship that we have with God as our Father. Right? And all relationships are expressed. They are expressed well, and you have a good relationship, but they express poorly, and you have a bad relationship. Now, I want you to imagine, all right, me on my wedding day, uh, 18 years ago, and 18 years and one week ago, right? We celebrated our anniversary last week. Uh, some of you don't have to imagine because you were there. Actually, you guys are all probably too young to be there. First service, there were some people who were there, right? But anyway, on my wedding day, you can imagine, I'm standing there at the end of the aisle, uh, anxiously waiting for her to turn up. Customarily, they're always late, of course, uh, and the music is playing. Uh, um, an original piece written by a friend of ours, um, uh, beautiful piece that was never recorded, never written down, so we've never heard it again, one time. And uh, she's walking down the aisle, received her with tears in my eyes, with joy. She goes through the service as we make vows before God and before family and friends, as we exchange rings and exchange a kiss. Uh, we, we form this beautiful relationship called marriage, don't we? Now imagine we go home, uh, and then we, we relate to each other. And initially, it's good, right? On our, on our honeymoon, uh, we actually didn't know each other very well. So I asked her, one of the first things was, what's your favorite color? I didn't know. Or what's your favorite food? And apparently, it's like Singaporean food. So we drove from where our honeymoon place was an hour to eat Singaporean food, right? And we would talk to each other. But imagine, after a few weeks, maybe a few months, conversations between us, Happens maybe for oh, three to five minutes when we first wake up in the morning. And maybe three to however many minutes before we fall asleep at night. As we drift off into bed, we chat for a little bit. And imagine that the only time I really talk to her the rest of the day is maybe I'll say a quick word of thanks when she made a meal for me at lunch or dinner. And that was it. That was the only talking that I would ever do with my wife. That would be a terrible marriage, wouldn't it? You have this privilege, you have this relationship, 
And then you spend, what, two or three minutes in the morning, in the evening, and a couple of minutes or seconds during the day. That would be a terrible marriage. That's not how relationships work. I don't know what you think about your relationship with God, but it's a real relationship where God is our Father. It's not just a privilege. It is a profound relationship, and we must express this relationship by speaking to Him. We must pray, not out of duty, not out of some kind of legalistic demand, like God is so mean, He makes me have to talk to Him. What's with that? That's totally to misunderstand the relationship, right? I mean, I must speak to faith, not because I have to, but because that's what makes a good relationship. In the same way, we must talk to God. This is what it means to have a relationship that is loving and intimate and good. It's that kind of a must, isn't it? We pray to God because He is our Father. Second reason. Why do we pray? Why must we pray? It's because the Father is the source of all that we need. Right? He is the source of all that we need. Let's look at the Lord's Prayer just to see just a, a, a very kind of big summary kind of total of this, uh, summary me- uh, message of this, right? Pray then like this, Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Check out these prayer points, right, from Jesus. When he taught his disciples how to pray, he taught them these prayer points. And it begins with life's greatest purpose, right? We ask from God to give us something that would shape and define the whole meaning of life. And that is found in the glory of God. If, if, as God is hallowed and glorified, as His kingdom is established, we then realize what is it we most need from God is for Him to do His thing and for us to know how to be a part of His purposes and plans. As God is glorified and as His command and His ways are lived out, then we get to be glorified. We get to have the best life. We get to know what life is about. That's the first prayer point there, isn't it? The second big prayer point there is daily needs. We pray to God because He's the creator and He's the sustainer. He's the provider of all of life. And so even our daily needs are provided by God. And the third prayer point there is spiritual needs. And now this is where we could have five or six more sermons about the spiritual needs that we get from God. But in this Lord's Prayer, we see that the first spiritual need that we need is ongoing forgiveness. Because even as children of God, we will sin. And so we pray for forgiveness because it is God who gives forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 tells us, right? God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Why? Because we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> now, it also tells us that we have to ask God to help us not to be led into temptation. The, the spiritual empowerment to not sin comes from God, and so we have to pray for it. Now, we see a few more other, uh, in other places, other, other reasons, other things that we need from God that only He can give. And one big one is the understanding of His Word. Let me read out for us 1 Corinthians chapter 2, just to see this profound thing. For no, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, 
that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. What Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians is that as he teaches God's Word, especially the Gospel, the only way that we can know what God is trying to say to us is through the work of the Spirit. Now we can understand things with human intellect, but to really truly be able to understand and receive God's Word as God's Word, we need the Spirit's help. We need the Spirit's work, and so we rely on God for that, and we pray for that. We also learn that we need God to give us growth. Anything that we do in this church and ministry, any growth that we have as a church or as individuals comes from God. Paul reminded the Corinthian church of this crucial fact in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 3. Right? As they are arguing about who's the best pastor, who's the best preacher. This is what Paul says, right? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. If God is the only one who gives the growth, then it is God to whom we must pray and ask for growth in our own spiritual walk as well as for what the church is trying to achieve in ministering the gospel and the word of God to people. You see, all that we truly need comes from God, so it is to God that we must pray. We must ask for God to give us what we need that he provides now, there are so many more reasons that I could cover, and if you have an outline in front of you, point 4D is titled, Why? Question mark. So many more reasons, right? I just wanted to throw in a few more, just because I didn't want to leave it out completely. So I'll just give you one-liners for each, okay? Why pray? Why pray? <clears throat> because it expresses our humble dependence on God, right? Just as uh, we pray because God is the source of all that, is, uh, that we need, our praying expresses our humbleness, our neediness, before God and the fact that He is the one who gives. We pray because God responds in a real way to our prayers. Right? James 4, 2 actually tells us that we don't get sometimes because we don't ask. We don't get because we don't ask. Prayer is a real conversation, right? Where we really do ask and God really does respond in such a way when you don't ask, you don't get. Now, sometimes God is very kind. He will give us things that we don't ask for, but there are other things that he won't give us if we don't actually ask. And the third point I want to raise as to why we should pray is because the ministry of the apostles shown to us in the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the building of the church was built on two foundations, two pillars, I should say. One foundation, Jesus, two pillars, which is the Word of God and prayer. Right? The apostles in Acts 6, they, they, they didn't want to be sidetracked by doing lots of other areas of service. They wanted to devote themselves to the Word of God and prayer. And that is the reason why SLE Church's core values begins with the Word of God and prayer. It is not just our preference. It is not just that we're trying to corner this segment of the Christian market. It is because the Scriptures point us to the fact that these are the foundations for life and ministry the Word of God, and prayer. 
Now, like I said, I only went through those very quickly. It's a good chance for you to think about it for yourself, some of these points, all right? But let me finish by drawing out some practical implications about prayer in practice in the life of our church. Now, the Bible teaches a lot about prayer and its vital importance for both our personal and our church life, our corporate life. It teaches us both that we must pray. It's a privilege and necessity that we must pray. But it also teaches us what we are to pray about, what we are to pray for. Right? So let me just deal with what we're to pray for in a moment. And it is very closely tied to why we pray in the first place. But let me give you 1 John 5.14 as a way to kind of catch-all verse about what to pray for. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So if you've ever wondered what you are to pray for, well, you are to pray for things that are according to God's will. At this point, you're like, thanks very much, Ben. Right? That doesn't help me very much. Right? Could you be any more generic right? and vague about it? But when you think about it, am I really being that generic and vague? Is God, is John being generic and vague when he talks about according to God's will? Hasn't God revealed his will to us in scriptures? Right? If we build ministry on the word of God, isn't the word of God God's word, God's revelation? God's telling us of his will, of the biggest purposes and plans and promises that he's giving, as well as on his, the, the, the specifics about character and, and behavior and things to pursue uh, uh, th- in life. Isn't that all been revealed in the Bible? And so as we commit ourselves to our first core value, to have gospel-centered expository preaching and teaching of God's Word, as we work through verse after verse and chapter after chapter and book after book of the Bible, as we see the centrality of the gospel, there's a sum total or the, the, the encapsulation of all of God's purposes and plans, then aren't we discovering what God's will is? As we look at what God wants us to become, what He wants to bless and give us, as he, what he wants to achieve through his son Jesus and how that impacts our lives, are we not growing our understanding of God's will? As we learn more about God's word, we learn more then about what to pray for, don't we? It drives our prayers. The word of God and prayer. And this has to be the foundation of our church's ministry, not because it's our preference but because this is God's provision. This is God's priority. This is God's will that we devote ourselves to word and prayer. Now, one of the big implications is that our learning should drive our praying. Right? Our learning should drive our praying. So when we read the Bible, perhaps every day or whatever it is that you do, your daily Bible reading, Respond to what you read from God's Word by praying about what is being revealed about God and His ways and how that might impact our lives. When we meet for fellowship groups, right? Uh, have you experienced that fellowship group uh, time or Bible study where you do Bible study for one hour or whatever, just one and a half hours, and then we're like, oh, let's break for prayer, and then you pray about time management, health, studies, family, sickness, travels, or lack of. It's like weird, right? You, you spend all this time learning from God's Word, and then the first thing you pray about is all these daily needs. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray for your daily needs and for health and for work and for relationships, but shouldn't we first and foremost pray in response to God's will revealed to us in the Bible study, in the Bible reading we've just done? 
Now, in fact, if you do really think hard about what God's Word is saying, it would actually impact the things that you pray about that is practical of day-to-day life. Right? When, when there is sickness and when there is suffering from COVID and whatnot, rather than the, maybe the instinctive thing, which is to pray for healing and for alleviation of all of the suffering and the sickness and pain, the will of God, the Scriptures actually tell us that suffering has many purposes. We might instead pray, according to God's will, that this sickness will actually help us to think about how our faith is being tested, right? To trust God more, or to hold on and not grow bitter against God in the way that the psalmists pray. It might be an opportunity for us to pray to see that these kind of sufferings, temporary and partial, point us to a final judgment. It's an opportunity for us to repent now and to call others to repentance. And, and there are so many other things that the Bible tells us about how to interpret sickness and suffering about how we ought to go about our daily work and studies and relationships, right? The will of God, through the word of God, shapes our prayers. So make sure that happens in our, in our prayer life, right? That we are always responding, first and foremost, to the word. Then let the word of God shape all those other kind of practical prayers. The second big implication, and this is the easiest, clearest one, is that we ought to be prioritizing prayer in our church life. Right? We ought to be prioritizing prayer in our church life. We ought to be expressing this core value of prayer in every aspect of our church's life. It must be the case that we, we aren't just known as the Word, the good Bible teaching church, but it must be clear that we are a church that is prayerfully dependent on God. As much as we depend on food and drink and air, we are a church that's prayerfully dependent on God. Now, as a church, I think we've gotten a lot better compared to what we used to be, but we still have a long way to go. Uh, I know that I'm a person who actually much prefers praying on my own. I I find it even uh, a challenge to pray with faith and my kids, and certainly in the public space, I I much prefer to pray on my own. And so as the pastor of the church for the last 11, 12 years, in the initial year, prayer wasn't a big focus. In fact, for maybe the first five, six years, we hardly had any church prayer meetings And it wasn't something that was that keen to push, and so it kind of fell by the wayside. But we did eventually begin church prayer meetings again about five, six years ago. And initially, it was very poorly attended, but things have gotten better. But even now, I think our last church prayer meeting was barely still half of the congregation that came. But even more worrying, I guess, as a pastor, and more worrying for yourselves, really, for those who don't come, is the attitude that prayer meetings are not as worthwhile or as important as coming for a Bible study, as coming to a church service. Maybe you have that attitude. Maybe you have that thinking, right? That, well, it's not really anything concrete like Bible study, so why would I bother, right? It's just praying, right? It's just a prayer meeting, there's also another experience I think that many of us are familiar with in our Bible study and fellowship group times, isn't there? Like I said before, we would spend all this time doing Bible study and then we'll pray at the end. But not always, right? This isn't the experience that many of us have that, you know, the, the leader or the Bible study went on for a long time. We were so keen on studying the passage and exegeting, exegeting every verse and observing all the detail and you know, having a great old time interpreting it all and coming up with a point and purpose and we all shared it to make sure that we all got it right. And oh no, right? It's, it's 9.28 and we're going to finish at 9.30. And then we have what one minute, quickly go and share application and then one minute someone calls in prayer. 
Okay, maybe that's an exaggeration, but it may not be more than five minutes of prayer tacked on at the end, right, where you, you had intended for it to be a, a whole group praying. You only had one or two people closing in prayer. Who's experienced that before? Must be just me. Okay, everyone, right? Now, my big challenge to all the leaders of this church, whoever leads a study, that you do not do that, Right? If a Bible study goes for an hour and a half, say, salt, 7 to 8.30 or whatever it is, 7.30 to 9, if you're studying the Bible for like 45, 50 minutes, you've already read enough of this passage to be able to hear what God is saying from it. You may not nail down every point and every truth and every interpretation, but make sure you leave sufficient time for reflection and application and definitely enough time to pray in response to the will of God, to the voice of God you've just heard. To ask Him for help, for further understanding and for the power to live out what God has just told you. Because you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't ask, you don't speak to God, you're not addressing Him, you're not relating to Him as your Father. So, I always hear feedback that people don't do application and certainly pray properly at the end of studies. Can I uh, live the dream of never hearing that feedback again in our church? I am someone who used to be like that, but now I will just cut it. It doesn't matter where we are in discussion. At a certain point, the, the Bible discussion is over. We've got enough. Let's apply it. Let's pray about it, right? And I want to encourage all the leaders to do that. For members of each group, try and find a helpful way of being able to maybe provide cues to the leader to do so. Like in a helpful way. Don't all like suddenly at a certain point in time stand up and then start clanging a symbol or something. All right? Maybe uh, your leader can direct you as to how you can help them to know of time. And perhaps you can be helpful by answering the observation questions within half a second. Right? What does verse 1 say about God? Answer is there. That's why the observation question, right? Don't spend one minute going, oh, someone else will answer, you know, uh, you know, whatever. And leaders, observation question, only one person needs to answer, right? This is just the observation. You don't need everyone to answer the observation question. You need everyone to, to engage with the interpretation question, yes. But leave time for prayer because you value it as a privilege and as a necessity, but let's, let's, let's be honest, right? All of this corporate prayer stuff, whether it's church prayer meetings, whether it's praying in our services, whether it's praying in our fellowship groups, it's all an expression ultimately of our personal convictions. It's about our personal um, devotion to want to pray to God as our Father. I hope you'll see and you'll learn more and more as time goes on that prayer is really one of the best things that we can ever do. It's one of the greatest gifts and privilege that God has given to us. It is also necessary, which is why it is so hard. Because as I mentioned before, anything that is truly good and of God and spiritual will be met with a spiritual battle. Our own inner sinner, sinful desires and, 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 and nature, as well as the work of the evil one, will keep on making praying hard. So we need to press on and fight that spiritual battle, knowing that when we pray to God, he will help us and empower us to pray. So let's do that now. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, even as we call on you as Father now, please help us to pause and reflect and be amazed at what an amazing privilege it is that we can call on you as our Father. 
help us to see that we are totally undeserving and in our natural state, unable to approach you at all. For not only are we creatures divided by a humongous barrier to you as our creator, we are creatures who have rebelled against you and turned away from you. We have stained ourselves with sin and rebellion and all kinds of guilt. And yet, by your amazing grace, through, through your Son, you have provided a means for us to be forgiven, to be redeemed, and to be adopted back into your family as your children, to be given the privilege of relationship with you as children of God, to be able to call on you as our Father. So now, as we call you Father, please, by your Spirit, stir in us an excitement, a joy, um, thankfulness and praise, a true appreciation for what we have. And we do ask for your help, Father, that knowing that prayer is something that we find so difficult to do, that even though it is natural, we find it so unnatural. Though it is so easy, we find it so hard. Though we know it's necessary, we sometimes are, uh, have the unbelief to think that it is unnecessary. So please help us. Please help our prayer lives as a church, as fellowship groups. Help us as leaders to, to really model what uh, valuing prayer looks like as we lead studies, as we run our groups, as we meet each other one-to-one, -one, as we reflect on your word after the sermon, after the service each Sunday. Please help us to see the, the privilege and necessity of prayer. All this we pray in Jesus' name.